How many of you need God to do something for you this morning? How many of you need him to move a mountain? How many of you need something where you don't know even what you're doing, but you know that it seems impossible? But you know, God's word says this, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who believes. And I believe that the Lord is going to be shifting things. I believe there's something, you can be seated. I believe the Lord's shifting things in the spirit realm around us. I believe God wants to shift your faith to believe him for things that seem impossible. You see, with man, it's impossible. But with God, scripture says, all things are possible to them that believe. You know, some of us are in the situation where we have incredible faith. Others are in a situation where we're like in the, in the, in the writing in the word where it says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, it means you're a little shaky in your belief system. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed one bit. We may change. Our circumstances may change. Our commitment level may go up and down like the rising of the tide. But one thing we know is God, by his very nature, is faithful. He is faithful. He can't change that. Even when we're not faithful, it, it says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The just shall live not by our faith, but by his faithfulness. So God will always be faithful to you and I. And so right now, we just want to pray. And if you have a situation you need God to reach down and grab hold of, I want you just to reach up. Like if you're falling off a cliff and you were falling and I stuck my hand out, you'd reach out. And God's going to reach down right now. I believe by faith God is going to reach down and touch you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, you see every one of these hands. You see every situation, every circumstance, every worry, every concern, every financial burden, every health diagnosis, everything that's associated with it. Things we don't even know ourselves. God, you know. And right now, Father, we come before you and we say, God, in your faithfulness, reach down and touch your sons and daughters. Lord, we know you were a good God. We know you're a God who loves his sons and daughters. We know you're a God who is faithful. And Lord, I just pray in the midst of our situation, we don't look at the storm, but we look at the one who calms the storm. We don't look at the situation, but we look at our Savior. We don't look at what we can do, but God, we look at what you can do. And Father, we thank you that you, by the very nature of who you are, are faithful to each and every one of us, Lord. We may not even see how you're doing it, but Lord, we know that you are able to do, according to what the Word of God says, exceedingly abundantly above what we could imagine or ask. And right now, God, we're asking for you to come into our situation. We're asking that you come into our environment. We're asking that you come into our homes, into our businesses, into our health, into our finances. And God, you do something that people say cannot be done. But God, you are the one who does the impossible because you are not just natural. You are supernatural. You're above nature. And God, we come before you trusting you and believing you that you will do this. And if you believe that, say with me, amen. 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 You know, God is faithful. You know that? He is such a good God. He loves you and has such compassion for you and such concern for you that he, he has you right there in the center of his nail-scarred hand. You know, and he's just holding you tight right there. Amen? Aren't you glad you're here this morning? Amen. I tell you, God's got some great things in store for you. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Praise the Lord. Did you love on each other a little bit? Good. Good, good, good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. You're doing a great job. You know, it's important to realize that when we worship here together, it's not a performance by this group of people agreement please we are worshiping together okay it's not performance some of we're even in the church and worship ministry culture of the church has become very performance and we want to sustain worshiping in spirit and in truth Amen, Pastor Lynn. We're going to do an amen service today. We are going to do an amen. You're going to amen by the end of the time. I know you're going to amen by the end of the time. We are in a new season. Today is a mark of a new season. We're starting a new series called Give Me This Mountain. 
So you see, this is the thing, people. It's time for you to take your mountain. It's time for you to conquer those giants in the territory that the Lord has assigned to you. And I'm going to challenge you this day. You know, one thing about Scripture, the Word of God, which I'm sure all of you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, Pastor David can get you a Bible. We're saturated with the opportunity to have Bibles in our culture here in the U.S. We got to read them. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have to read them. We have to obey them. Not just read them, but obey them. But I'm, let me tell you something about the Bible. The Bible is a spiritual book, right? It's the revelation of God. It's a revelation to humans about God, right? About uh, the salvation history, it's called. And that's very important. But there's another component to the Bible. It's, it's also in a historical book, right? It's a historical book. But there's something about the Bible that you need to realize, if you don't already know, some of you may already know this, is that there is concept of time in the Bible. The concept of time is there's a chronos time. That is the time. It's 11 o'clock right now. You all are going to hope that I'm done at least by 12. I may, I may be done, but the Holy Spirit may not be. Chronos, that's Chronos. <laughs> I'm a step ahead of y'all. I spent some time with the Lord here. And then there's Kairos time. Kairos is seasonal. There's times and seasons that God does. And I'm telling you, we've entered into a season. We're into a season that the Lord is saying to you that it is time for you to take your mountain. It's time for you to conquer those giants. Some people say, Why? You know, when is this house going to grow more people? When you start conquering your giants. And I'm going to tell you what that means. I'm going to show you what that means according to God's word. So there's Kairos times, the seasons. And then there's Adventus times. Those are moments when God has a divine moment. It's when King David, the shepherd boy, before he was anointed as king, when Samuel sees him and God says, that's the man. It's when Esther is chosen by the king after all the young women come through for the next queen. Esther is chosen. It's divine moments. It's Adventus. And God has for you, it's not just people in scripture. God has you. Yes, you are on a chronos time. You were born. You all have a birth date. This is the month of September. You see the cyclical time of Kronos, but there's a seasonal time where God says it's your season. It's time for you. And I believe it's time for you today. I believe there's time for you to enter into a season. The thing, though, is when we get to Kronos, when we leave Kronos and go into Kairos, seasonal time, God's seasons, God's seasons, the fact is this, you have a choice. You have a choice to go with God or step outside of something. And when it comes to Adventus, those moments, many times when I believe somebody needed to be down here, they walked down there because they weren't ready for their Adventus. I want you to be ready for your Adventus. God has an Adventus moment. He said, I'm getting scared. I kind of want to run out. You know what? Don't be scared of God. He has the best for you. He has empowerment for you. The devil danced on the grave of Jesus, but Jesus had the Adventus moment coming up, and that was his resurrection and power so that you could live in resurrection power because the same power that dwelled in Christ Jesus dwells in you. And the enemy still wants to convince you that you are powerless against giants in your land. But you are not. You are not. And we're going to talk about that right now. It's a new season. And it's a season that the Lord has ordained. Isaiah 43 says this. 43 verse 8. Do not remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. 
I'm about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Now, now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Lord, make us be aware right now. Create awareness of the lives of the people. I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. What is the prophetic word talking about? I will even do the supernatural. If those of that you were here, well, I talked a few times ago, maybe the last time I spoke about entrainment, that I will cause that which is in the natural, through my supernatural word, I'm going to cause it to be pulled into the supernatural. See, Hebrews 11 says, I don't even know how much I'm going to stick with my notes. Lord, help me stick with my notes. Hebrews 11 says that everything that was made that was seen was made from the unseen. It was made from the unseen. So you have him saying, I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Rivers don't belong in the desert, but because I'm the supernatural God, I can put a river in a desert. Because it comes in alignment with me. I don't come in alignment with that. It comes in alignment with me. The beasts of the field will honor me, jackals and ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. It is a new season. We are moving forward to the new thing the Lord is doing in our personal lives and in the lives of us together. And we're going to look at a great example. This is a foundational message for the series of Give Me This Mountain. We're going to look at the man who coined that term in Scripture. His name is Caleb. And I want to kind of lay the foundation for who Caleb was because many characteristics of Caleb's life and how he responded to God, we need to learn about him and we need to model that in our own lives. Because the Lord has called us to conquer the mountain. Because he has given you a territory. He has called you to fight until the battle is won. He has called you to fight until the battle is won. Hit the background of the story of Caleb. Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. Now the tribe of Judah is the tribe that King David eventually comes from, and then Jesus comes from. And Judah, the word Judah, the name Judah means praise. He was from the tribe called praise. And we meet Caleb in scripture after God has delivered his people from Egypt. See, Moses has went and gotten the people from Egypt, and they had stood before, he stood before Pharaoh and delivered them after the plagues. And now they're in the desert, and they're dwelling in the desert and Moses gets the Ten Commandments. He's teaching the people who have come out of Egypt about their God, about Jehovah. And Egypt was a land of pagan gods. Egypt was a land of polytheism where the people had been saturated by many gods, the gods of Egypt. And so they are separated unto themselves in the desert. And God has given to his people, Israel, a promise. And the promise is this, I have taken you out of Egypt to bring you into your own promised land. See, God had promised their forefather Abraham that he would give him the land. And the last time I preached, I talked to you about Abraham. And here, the time has been delayed because he had ended up going into Egypt and now they're in the desert, and God has not forgotten his promise. And I'm telling you today, God has not forgotten his promise to you no matter how long it was. So now they have left Egypt, and they're dwelling, and now God says to Moses, tell them to go in, send spies, 12 spies into the land, to go look at the land that I am giving to you, 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And so they go in, and that brings us to Numbers 13, because these 12 spies go into this land, and the land is flowing with milk and honey. None of them say that it's not flowing. They all say it is flowing. It's flowing so much with milk and honey that when they are carrying back the fruit, they have to carry the grapes on a pole, on a pole between two men. That's how much it's flowing with the prosperity 
So they all come back, and it brings us to Numbers chapter 13. These 12 spies come back to give the report to the people. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here it's, is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Anak, remember that name, the most fierce and big and daunting of the giants in the land. And the Malachites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb, here's Caleb, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Numbers 14 verse 1. That night... All the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? See, in their mindsets, they've already been defeated. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They are fearful. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They're going against their spiritual authority. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephna, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So what happens? The people, in response to what Caleb and Joshua say, they want to stone Caleb and Joshua. Because they don't want to hear about the faith in God because they're so consumed with their fears. And God becomes angry with the people. He becomes angry with the people because they have exaggerated the power of the giants over the power of their God. Numbers 14, 26 says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the result of the faithlessness of the ten spies and all who listened to the ten spies who did not believe that God could give them this land. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? This is what the Lord said. I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more, who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephna, and Joshua, son of Nun. I'm not going to leave you there, people. I'm not going to leave you there. You see, Caleb and Joshua are surrounded by doubt and fear. These are the only two men that believe God for the land he has promised. And doubt and fear, I'm going to tell you something about doubt and fear. Doubt and fear takes the breath out of the room. Takes the life out of the room. Doubt and fear smothers, listen, doubt and fear smothers the voice of God. How do you know if you're functioning in doubt and fear when God's voice is speaking? Are you a cynic? 
does God's voice irritate you? When somebody's speaking, proclaiming something in faith, does it irritate you? Does it frustrate you? Does it make you mad? You might check your spirit that you might have be filled with doubt and fear because doubt and fear denies faith in what God can do. See, doubt and fear focuses on what you see and your own ability. And doubt and fear can be contagious, even in the people of God. Because these 10 spies return, and they have seen what God wants to give them, and yet what they spread is doubt and fear. They proclaim and decree doubt and fear. See, it's important for you, as a child of God, to beware of who you're listening to. Because it's contagious, Fear is contagious. Unbelief is contagious. You need to be around people of faith that build up your most holy faith. And Joshua and Caleb were people of faith. See, these people, the ten who influenced the whole community, that whole generation saw the giants, saw the giants more than they saw God. See, Joshua and Caleb saw the giants. Caleb admitted there were giants, but he said, but our God is bigger. Our God is greater. Our God is more powerful than the giants in the land. See, you may be in a minority. When you leave this room, you may have to go out and be in a world where you're the minority in your faith in God. But I'm telling you that you have greater power than the majority when God is with you. So what do we see in this story? See, God has given Caleb and Joshua a promise, but he's going to fulfill what he has said about this generation of Israelites that will not believe. And so the generation, that generation dies in the desert, and Caleb and Joshua are put in a waiting room for God's promise to be fulfilled. For 40 years, Caleb has to wait for God to fulfill his promise to him. And 40 years later, there is a transition of leadership. Moses dies. Joshua is chosen by God to be the leader. And then when Joshua becomes the leader, the season has changed. Kairos time, baby. Kairos time. We are going to go into the promised land. We are not going to wait. Moses is dead. God says to them, get ready. Get ready. This is not a democracy. We're not going to vote on this. This is a theocracy. I'm telling you, it's time for you to go into the land of promise. First thing that happens is that this new generation, see all their fathers, grandfathers who didn't believe, have passed. This new generation, the problem is they're not circumcised. That's a pretty painful thing, isn't it? Especially when you're at least 20. And so the first thing is God purifies the people before they go in and they go through a time of circumcision and then it's time for them to go into the land and they start to battle together. All 12 tribes battling together. For five years they battle and you know the stories like the story of Jericho where they began to take the major cities. God is giving the people victory. In the promised land. But it comes to a place. For the first five years they battle together. And then Joshua says. Okay now it's time for every tribe. To have their land. Their own specific plot. Their own territory. It's time to. Cause you guys to go out. To the territory that I assign you. And you defeat the giants. In your specific land. Your tribe. And that's what brings us. To Caleb. See, Caleb is now 85 years old. Remember Caleb, 40 year, 45 years ago, he went into this land, right? He was a spy. And he has something to say. Joshua 14, verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb's son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? 
I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country. This is where the scripture, what I want to say. In King James Version, it says, now give me this mountain. Give it to me. That the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites, remember the Anakites? I told you to remember. They were the ones that were the most daunting, the ones that the ten spies brought up and said, we can't come against the Anakites. Caleb says, on this day, when he's choosing the land he wants, he says, I want the hardest land. I want the mountains. I want where the Anakites are. Come on, people. We're going to be like Caleb. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron, Hebron, as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirith Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites, used to be. Then the land had rest from war. So now it's time. It's Caleb's season. And when Caleb's given the opportunity to take the land, he says, I'm done waiting. I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to give up. I will take what God has promised. I will take the hardest land. I will take the fortified land. I will take the most difficult. I will take the biggest giants because I believe God will help me drive them out. I believe God's word. I believed it 45 years ago, and I still believe God's word. See, the thing is, what did Caleb do with his 40-plus years? He cultivated his faith. Rather than being in doubt and despair because he couldn't go into the promised land, he cultivated his faith. Rather than self-pity and impatience and despair, Caleb spent time with God. He readied himself for the moment, for the Adventus moment when God said, now, green light, Caleb, go for it. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't say, I'm too old. I'm too tired. I have deficits. See, the thing is, even when the timing changed, Caleb said, you know what? I believe God. I believe God. And this is important. The place where Caleb went and received as his inheritance is the place called Hebron. Hebron is very important because Hebron was the place that Abraham lived. He went back and redeemed the thing that the enemy had stolen from the people of God. Caleb was used to restore that which was stolen. Hebron was what God had given to Abraham. But you know what else Hebron was? Hebron was also for the future because Hebron would be the place where King David was anointed as king. Hebron would be the place called the city of refuge where people who were being chased by their enemies could run to that city. See, Caleb was restoring and redeeming for the past and for the future generations. He took the mountain not just for himself. He took the mountain for the next generation. We don't take mountains. We don't defeat giants. 
for just our, for ourselves. We do it to redeem what God has stolen in the past, and we do it for the future generations. Why could Caleb do this? Because Caleb believed God's word. He didn't believe man's word. He believed God's word. You got to believe God's word. Don't go around saying, what do you think God said? 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 What do you think God? You know what? That keeps you in the desert. Believe God's word. What can we learn from Caleb? First, God's word to you must be mixed with your faith. God's word to you must be mixed with your faith. It's interesting because sometimes people say, oh, you know, the Old Testament is not so important as the New Testament. Not true, actually. Not true. It's very foundational to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle refers to this very story in the book of Hebrews. And he talks about how mixing our faith with God's word is very important. Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed we have had the good news of salvation preached to us, just as the Israelites also when the good news of the promised land came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Listen. The message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard. You can have a hundred messages, great messages, powerful messages preached to you. But if you don't mix it with your faith, your faith, not Pastor Lynn's faith, your faith, it will not benefit you. You have to have your faith mixed with the word. It's a necessary ingredient for God to fulfill his promise to you. It's your faith. You will become deaf to God's word. It will fall off you like a Teflon pan, an egg off a Teflon pan. You have to have your faith mixed with God's word. We have to be doers of God's word, not hearers only. Jesus said that. We have to be doers of God's word. And Caleb was a doer of God's word. He was ready. He heard God's word and he said, let's go in. We can do it. And when the time came, he did it. What is the mountain? What is the mountain that God wants you to conquer? What is the mountain in your family that the Lord wants you to conquer? What's the mountain in your life that the Lord wants you to conquer? But you are facing doubt and unbelief and fear. And it's causing you to shrink back. The Lord says, today is the day you mix your faith with my word. Second thing. Caleb was patient, not passive. Now this is interesting. I'm not the most patient person. Pastor David's even less patient. God, the Holy Spirit helps us. Helps us settle down, Lynn. That's the way it goes. So I was talking, when the Lord said God, uh, that Caleb was patient, not passive. I didn't get this off. Some, this sermon did not come off like Google Caleb. No, this is something that the Lord showed me. What is the difference? See, because Caleb had to be patient. See, patience is all very significant when we fight battles. Patience means that you're watchful. Not passive and checked out. See, sometimes when we don't get immediate victory, we can get passive rather than patient. We can check out. Patience cultivates readiness. Listen, how many of you ever get patient standing in line for, to get your groceries checked out, right? Come on, people. I'm the only one. Good. You all can get behind me then. If I ever see you, you'll say, oh, you're, you don't have a problem with it. I do. I have things to do. Okay. So what I do, I don't know about you, to help the checker out, because usually they're sweating beads, especially if it's a long line, I start getting things ready. Get my Safeway card out to, for my discounts. I start getting get my bags out, whatever. I get ready in my patience I get ready. I don't get on my phone and start having a long conversation so that when I get up there, have you ever had the person do this before? Oh, yeah, like, you know, uh, oblivious to the fact that they're next. See, the fact is this. 
We are to be patient, but not passive. Because we are to be ready for God's green light. Passivity is lazy, and it ignores readiness. Patience reveals your passion. See, you need, if you need patience, that means you have a passion. I have a passion to get through this line. It's my passion. Therefore, I have to be patient. Passivity reveals your apathy and therefore inaction. When we wait for God's green light, we are to be patient but not passive. See, Caleb had to be patient. God was working on him while he was killing off the people in the desert. He was working on him. And Caleb, when the time came, he was ready to be used by God because he had sharpened himself. He was not being lazy. He was not ignoring it. He was ready. Sometimes we can give up the battle and fighting the giants in the land because the victory has not yet come. So we become passive. We become um, we start getting, you know, friendly with the giants. We start being okay with things because the victory hasn't come. Or have you become passive? Are you apathetic? Have you grown to be okay with some things that you really shouldn't be okay with? Have you become a friend to your giant? The enemy wants you to be a friend to the giants in your land. Let's coexist. Yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, those giants are squatters in your land. They're eating up your inheritance. They're walking in your authority. They're telling you what to do and where to go all along. You're to take the giant out. But you've got to be ready. There is time. There, I started this with time. There's Kronos time, and in the midst of Kronos time, God has Kairos time. And in the midst of Kairos time, the season for you to take down the giants, he has Adventus, where he says, now is the time. Now it's the time to take Jericho. The seventh day is when you go in and blow the trumpets. Adventus. So are you watchful? Are you ready? Are you cultivating your desire to defeat the enemy? What are you doing in the waiting room between the time God has called you and promised you to the victory? What are you doing in that waiting room? What are you doing there? Are you engaged? What are your thoughts about the promise God has for you? Is it, well, if it's going to happen, Pastor Lynn, it's going to happen. Uh, Not true. Uh, Not true. You have to mix, it's real quiet in here. You have to mix your faith with the word of God. The enemy wants you to be passive. He wants you to be a frog in the kettle while the world is turning up the heat. And I'm challenging you. I am challenging you to say, I will not be passive. I may have to be patient for the timing of God. When God says, go, this is the time, this is the moment, but I will not be passive. I'm going to tell you, in my life, in my life, God gave me a word way back in 1985, before I met this wonderful husband of mine. God called me. There was a, I'm going to share this, the, the whole of this testimony at the women's retreat. But God called me. It was a young woman from Seoul, Korea, who lived across the hall from me. And one day she prayed over me and she prophesied over me. That was in the era where prophetic ministry was talking about, you know. And God spoke a word over my life. And there are many parts of that word the Lord has fulfilled. But I'm telling you. There are some things that have not yet come to fulfillment. But I'm not passive. I'm waiting. I'm looking. I'm hearing the voice of God to say, okay, God, when you're ready, I'm going in. When you're ready, I'm going to take that giant down. 
And for some of you in this room, many of which have been Christians for a long time, the Lord has given you a word. Some of you are patient. Others of you have gotten passive. And the Lord says it's time. It's time for you to get you ready. Get ready. You got to take down those giants in your home, in your family line, and in your finances, and in your career, and in your ministries, and in your anointings. It's time. It's time. I remain confident of this, Psalms 27, 13 says. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God uses that word goodness in the Old Testament. He also exchanges it for the glory of God. The glory of God. I will see the glory of God in the land of the living. Caleb also sustained a soft heart even when he was disappointed. See, he was ready 45 years before, but it was delayed. But he didn't become bitter. He didn't become cynical. He had a soft heart towards the Lord. And you know how that was exemplified? It's this way. You see, when he's told to go in with the other tribes 40 years later, for the first five years, they're battling in the promised land. They're battling together as 12 tribes. Listen, these are the sons, 10 tribes, the sons of the ones, the very ones that wanted to stone Caleb. I mean, talk about being bitter. I mean, come on. But he doesn't have bitterness. He goes in and he fights shoulder to shoulder with the other 10 tribes because he has a soft heart towards the Lord and he helps them win the battles. You know what? We have to keep our heart soft towards the Lord. And you know, even for Caleb, there's that internal battle. He could have flipped his switch, become bitter, not been able to do that, feeling betrayed, but rather he has victory because he has a soft heart. It is the internal battle before there is an external battle. You know what? Sometimes maybe that's why we're in the waiting room. Because God is causing us to have victory in an internal battle. Before we have the external battle. He's doing the work in us. Making us the man and woman of God that we're supposed to be. We're not posers. We're not presenters. We are authentic believers. Internal battle. Don't harden your hearts. Paul talks about that too. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be any of one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God, but continually encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. And there is an opportunity so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin. It's cleverness, delusive glamour, and sophistication. The heart, the concept of the heart in Scripture includes the entire human personality, mind, will, and emotions. And we need to check our hearts. Check our hearts for offense. See, Caleb could have had great offense with his brothers, his brothers of the people of God, but he did not have great offense. That offense would have kept him from being powerful. Check your heart. We don't want to have hardened hearts, a fearful heart, a critical heart, a cynical heart, a blaming heart, a prideful heart, an arrogant heart, a disobedient heart, a walled off heart. Oh God, you could have this part, but this you can't have. This hurt too much. This pain's too, too hard for me to look at. The Lord wants all of your heart because when you portion off a part of your heart that you don't give to God, that becomes the enemy's territory. When you're resistant to healing, there are painful things that happen in the lives of people, very painful. And those things the enemy put in your way, those things the enemy ordained and desired for you. But Jesus came that all of your broken heart can be healed. 
It doesn't matter what it is. Don't wall off your heart because it prevents you from being powerful. The Lord wants you to have a soft heart. Lord, whatever you say, whatever you desire, he wants the oil of the Holy Spirit to come into any part of your heart. Things that happened in childhood, things that happened in the church, things that happened in a marriage, things that happened to you, whatever he wants it in all parts so that you have a whole heart. What does scripture say about Caleb? He was wholeheartedly served the Lord. What else about Caleb? Caleb says this. Caleb boldly declared, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. God Give me that mountain. God, I know you can do it. Give me that mountain. Caleb declared it. He decreed it. He believed it. All heaven heard it. Some of you in this room, you need to start declaring, God, give me this mountain. Give me the mountain of my prodigal children. Come on, people. Give me this mountain of my friends that don't serve you. Give me this mountain. Whatever it may be of this next generation, of the children of this next generation. Give me this mountain of this youth generation. Give me this mountain. Joshua 14, 12 says, this is what Joshua, this is what Caleb says. Now give me this hill country. Give me this mountain that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Give me this mountain. See, Caleb had already won the victory before he ever started fighting against the, the people of Anak. He won the victory 45 years prior when he believed God. Do you believe God? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many as are the promise of, of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. God has promises for you, but he's waiting for you to say, let it be so. Let it be so. Mix in your faith with the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. you got to speak to your mountain you got to speak to your mountain. The New Testament tells us in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it's not up here. Speak to your mountain that it might be removed. Jesus said, you speak to that mountain. The Old Testament prophets tell us to speak to mountains. The book of Ezekiel, God tells the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 37, verse 4, when he sees the the people and they're dead in the valley and the Lord doesn't speak to him directly to the people themselves, he says, Ezekiel, you speak, you prophesy. And the Lord is waiting on you. You are his people. He is waiting on you to say, give me this mountain, Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel, you will become a level ground. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I have heard crickets in the church. Crickets in the church. People fearful of the world. People fearful of the giants in the land. But it's time for you to raise your voice. It's time for you to raise your voice and say, I'm going to speak to this mountain. God, give me this mountain. you got to be committed you got to be unwavering. The Lord has promised you. The Lord called us. Jesus called us. He called us to go and make disciples. He got, called us to go and tell. But we got to open up our mouths. we got to do it. So what mountain? What mountain are you believing God for? I want you to stand. What mountain are you believing God for? What mountain? Worship team, come on up. What mountain are you believing God for? What mountain has God said, this is your territory? This is your territory. Are you ready to take that mountain? Are you listening? Are you trusting? 
Are you cultivating your faith in your mindset? Do you need your mind transformed about your situation? Are you in agreement that you're like a grasshopper and the giants are too big? Or are you like Caleb and says, you know what? We can do this. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. With God, we can do it. Deuteronomy 1.35 says of Caleb. This is what Moses said. No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors except Caleb, son of Jephna. He will see it. And I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. See, Caleb, see, this is the thing about the enemy. The enemy thought he defeated Caleb 45 years prior. But Caleb, when Caleb came out to fight <laughs> 45 years later, he was more powerful. He was ready. He was hungry for victory because he spent time with God cultivating his faith. He couldn't wait. See, Caleb outsmarted. He outplayed. He outlasted the enemy. It's time for you to say, give me that mountain. I want you right now to think, God wants to speak to you. What mountain are you to say, God, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. Get out of the land of passivity. Get in the land of action. See, the Lord wants you to conquer the giants in your land, the enemy in your land, to redeem what the enemy has stolen in your heritage, but also so that the next generation can be blessed and anointed and powerful. This is not just about you. You get the privilege. You get the privilege of being used by God, but it's not just about you. See, if we read in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of the people of faith and what they did, they did it for us. They did it for us. The people that they could not yet see, they believed God for us. They defeated their giants in their land for us. And now we are to do it for the next generation. Come on, people. Build that faith in you. Right now, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what giant? Listen, it's the giant of the next generation, of the youth generation, the giant of the unsaved, the giant of the prodigals in your family. Have you shut your mouth? Have you gone and, and started just, you know, being in agreement? And all along, the Lord says, you know, you're at these birthday parties and weddings and banquets and Christmas dinners. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Your neighbors. Your neighbors that you mow the lawn with. You empty each other's trash. You collect each other's mail when you go on vacation and on trips. Open your mouth. Live it too. It's time. See, the enemy wants you to think it's not time, but it's Cairo's time. It's season. We entered into a season. You've heard. You've heard powerful words. You've been in this moment, and now it's an adventurous moment, and you're going to have an adventurous moment right now. This will be a powerful church. This will be a church in the line of Caleb. That says, I'm ready. I don't care if I'm 85. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going for it. It's time for this church together. It's time for us corporately. Give us this mountain. Give us this mountain. We want those who don't know Jesus coming from the darkness into the light. Yes, there's giants in the land and they're bearing their 
wicked teeth, but our God is greater. Yes, this is not a Bible belt. This is a land of liberalism. Who cares? God has put us in the land that may be tough, but the victory is great. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. It's time for you. It's time for you. Now, what we're going to do. See, I put this oil out. I didn't even know why the Lord said bring in the oil. I said, I don't know why. I don't know what I'm doing. You should be glad I don't pre-plan. That way I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. We don't, don't keep it dry. I don't want it dry. I want it nice and wet. So what you're going to do, this is between you and the Lord. Nobody's going to anoint you. You're going to anoint yourself. Because what you're going to do, you're going to say to God, when you grab this oil, you're going to anoint yourself. And you're going to say, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. You're going to anoint yourself by your own faith, by your own hand. Worship team, I want you to start singing. When you're ready, people, there's plenty of oil down here. Just try not to spill it, okay? Try not to spill it. See, we believe individually, but we also believe corporately together. I just feel that there is a first harvest that the Lord wants to give over this house, and that is the prodigal children of this house. There are prodigal children of this house, prodigal children of this house, that the Lord wants to restore back to this house. See, Caleb restored that which was taken by the enemy. I want you to grab the person's hand next to you. We're going to be in agreement. This is a Cairo season. We're entering into a season. We're entering into a season. Some of you, some of you, those children are your line. Those children are in your line. We're believing God for and with you. We're believing God. Listen, don't, get, don't be the frog in the kettle. Don't get into the physical realm in the sense of pa being passive and kind of doing the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, paycheck every two weeks kind of thing, just making it in life. There is more than that going on, people. Eternity rests at the door. Don't lose your spiritual eyesight in, in the midst of living in a physical world. The enemy would want you to get so physical, so into the world, the flesh, the things of the world, that you lose your eyesight to see what God wants to do through you. We're going to pray. We're going to agree. I, I told the Lord, I I've told you this, I'm going to give it everything I got every time. I'm going to preach like it's the last time, in case you don't see me, in case it's sayonara. In case it's sayonara, you're going to say, well, she gave it. She gave it. She gave it. You know, I'm doing it for Jesus. I want you to do it for Jesus. What God has asked you to do, just do it for Jesus. Just do it for Jesus. Quit caring what people think. Quit being insecure. Quit fearing rejection from man. Quit trying to fit into the world. You are not of this world. You are a supernatural people. To do a supernatural work in this earth. To affect eternity. We're going to pray for the prodigals. The first, I believe it's the first harvest. I will not accept. The prodigal will return. The prodigal will return. The prodigal will return. The prodigal will return. No deception from the world will destroy that prodigal. That prodigal will return. That prodigal belongs in the house of their father. In the house of their father. In the house of their father. Father, you're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting for the prodigals to return. But, Lord, you want us to open up our mouths. You want us, Father, to go after it. 
you want us to go, say, you know what? I am not going to give up. I am not going to accept. There isn't any black sheep. I used to hear that all the time in the church. Well, there are the black sheep. In the... You know what? There is no such thing. That's just you agreeing with the enemy. Quit agreeing with the enemy. Those children and their children and the children after that belong in the house of God. We declare it. I declare it so all heaven hears. I declare it, Lord, so all earth hears. We declare it and decree it. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's harvest time. And that harvest comes through your laborers. And we are your laborers. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for your unsaved friends. Some of you hang out, go on vacations, do all kinds of stuff with unsaved friends. And the Lord has placed you in their lives, not to be their putty and pal. He's placed you in their lives to be his voice, to redeem them, to save them from the pit of hell. Change the way you think. Change your mindset. Breathe life on them. Breathe life on them. It's time, Lord. Lord, we believe your word. We believe your word. Today is a day, Father, an inauguration day, inauguration day. The season has come. You have laid the foundation in this house. You have excavated the stuff that didn't belong there. You've excavated things that were diseased and you took them out and you've created health. You've made the womb healthy here, Lord, for reproduction. You've created leadership, Lord, Holy Spirit-filled leadership. We will take this land for you, Lord Jesus. We believe your word. We don't believe what man may say. We don't even believe what other people may say that call themselves Christians or the people of God that fear the giants in the land. Want to shut us up. We don't believe their word. We believe your word. We believe your word. We believe your word. And you say, surely you can do it. Surely you can do it. Fear not. I will give you every place you set your foot. So it's time, Lord, for multiplication. It's time for multiplication in our lives. The sons and daughters shall return. It's time for multiplication. Those who are in the darkness will come into the light. It's time for multiplication. Those who are in bondage will become free. Those who are sick will become healed. It's time for multiplication. We thank you, Lord. Your word is true. This house will worship you. We will fear not. We will go forth. We will not to go back. We will go forth. You are doing a new thing. We will believe you for the supernatural. We will believe you for the impossible. Because you are the God of the supernatural. You are the God of the impossible. And we carry your DNA. We have your DNA through the power of the Holy Spirit. It dwells in us. There are some of you in this room that say you've said it to God. God's telling me you said it to you, to, to him. Why don't I see the miracles and the stuff that I read about? And the Lord says... It's time. It's time. I'm going to open up your eyes. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. It's time. It's time. It's time. Some of you, ministry-wise, the Lord is bringing you into a greater power level in ministry. You've waited. You've been in a season of waiting. The Lord says, now, now, now. Now it's time. Step in. Step in. Step in. Step in. Now it's time. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What we're going to do now, we got some new birth in this house. We're going to have some baptisms. Pastor David. And those of you that are getting baptized, 
go ahead and be dismissed if you're being baptized. I'm going to pray over us and dismiss us. We're going to gather outside, out in the front here. And we're going to baptize. Baptism is super important. It's a sign of new life in this house. For those of you that aren't being baptized, stay here for a minute. We're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. If you need special prayer, we have prayer teams available for you. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. You may need to spend time with the Lord. You may need special prayer. Don't rush. It's going to take a little while for the people to get prepared for baptism, so you're not going to miss out. The tacos are going to be there. The jump house for the kids are going to be there. No rush. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. The Lord has spoken to us. The Lord has spoken to us. Has the Lord spoken to you today? Has the Lord spoken to you today? Has the Lord spoken to you today? Come on. Has the Lord spoken to you today? Come on. You aren't, you aren't decrepit. You're young. You're energetic. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for your word. We will mix our faith with your word. We will mix our faith with your word. We believe you, Lord. We believe what you say. We believe, Father, that you have marked this new season in this house. You have made a path, a river in the desert. When I think about the new parking lot and the excavation, the physical thing that happened over the summer, the excavation of things that needed to be taken care of so that the pathway for the cars coming in would be strong and steady and can carry any weight. That pathway has been made for us now, but also for the next generation. And in the same way, spiritually, Lord, you have done the same thing. You have made us ready. You have made your people ready. And we will obey you, Lord. We will walk out. We will walk out what you have spoken. We will believe you for the impossible. We will not focus on the seen, but we will focus on the unseen, knowing that the fruition, the results, will come in the seen realm in time. We will thank you, Lord. We will depend on you, Lord. We will surrender. We will not be full of pride or arrogance. We will be like Caleb, wholehearted before you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We will see the goodness of our God in the land of the living. We will see the glory of our God in the land of the living. And we thank you in your name. Amen. God bless you. You can go ahead and go out and get ready to watch the baptisms. And then after that, tacos for all.